0: Good morning, Eden Church. Welcome to those that are here and to those that are online. Uh, Thank you for joining us this this morning. Um, Haley and I live in Bakersfield. You guys are probably wondering who in the world are we. We are the Shirley's. My name is Josh. This is Haley. We live in Bakersfield, and uh, we had the opportunity to serve alongside of Pastor Daniel and Kayla in Bakersfield for probably six years or so. So that's how we know them. And uh, when they had the call to come and start this church, we, Haley and I, had the opportunity to start praying for you guys in advance. And so this is such an honor. It's such a blessing to be here, to see you guys in person, because periodically over that time, we've had a chance to continue to keep you guys in prayer. And then periodically, I have a chance to talk to Daniel, and he gives me an update on how you guys are doing and it's such an encouragement every time I get a chance to talk to him. So from our heart, we are so, uh, so excited to be here with you guys today. Today, we have the opportunity, Haley and I, we have the opportunity to share with you guys our testimony. Our testimony is about God's grace. That's the title of really what our testimony is all about. Experiencing God's grace changed everything that's what we're going to talk about. And that This subject about God's grace and his love is so near and dear to my heart. And you guys might be asking, why? Why is God's grace so near and dear to my heart? Well, the answer is because the grace of God saved my life. In fact, that's what the Bible says that we all need. We need to experience the grace of God in order to be saved. So the theme verse throughout this entire testimony, we're going to have a lot of, of verses that we're going to share with you that the Lord has put on our heart, but this is really the theme of what the, what the testimony is all about, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and it says this, "'For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should, should boast.'" The Bible could not be any clearer. It is by grace that we inherit eternal security, eternal life with God. This grace is a gift of God, which means that we cannot earn it, we cannot achieve it, we cannot work for it. It's a gift that was given. Grace is defined as unmerited favor. Basically, it means getting something that we do not deserve. And I heard this story, this illustration of grace, and it really resonated with me, so I'm gonna try and share it with you guys. So this is a hypothetical situation, right? Imagine that I was, I I, I had a traffic violation. It was a pretty serious traffic violation and I was caught. And uh, it's a serious violation that um, cost me, was going to cost me my license and gonna be a hefty fine. Just keep in mind, this is a hypothetical situation, right? (laughs) Hypothetical. So this was going to cost me my license, and it was going to be a hefty fine. So I go before the judge, and as I'm standing there pleading my case, um, the judge hears me out, and the judge knows that my heart is repentant, and he wants to set me free, right? But because this judge is a good judge, and he's a fair judge, and he must be just, he has to impose the penalty of the crime. So he imposes that, that, uh, that penalty, and that's what the verdict is. But this is what grace is. Imagine that that judge imposes that penalty, but then after he gives the verdict, he stands up from the stand, he takes off his gown, and he walks down to the cashier, and he pays my debt in full. That is what grace is. Does that sound like Grace. That's what grace is. And this is exactly how Jesus poured out his grace upon all of mankind. God the Father sent his son Jesus from heaven to earth to pay the penalty of sin by dying on the cross. By his blood and sacrifice, his death paid yours and my debt in full. So now all he is asking is that we accept this free gift That is freely given to us, but it cost Jesus everything, cost him his life, the ultimate price he paid for us, right? He extends that out to us and he's saying, will you accept this free gift of grace? This is how our story is, we're going to share you our story of how we experienced God's grace and how it changed everything. But before we do, would you guys mind bowing with me as we ask the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you for this church here in Campbell. Lord, these men and women that showed here, Lord, because we want to hear from you. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would anoint this message, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, that you would open the eyes and the ears of our heart, that we may understand you more clearly. Father, there is a reason and a purpose why each and every one of us are here so Lord, may we incline our ear to understand and hear from you the message Lord that you're trying to teach us. We commit all of this to you Jesus, in Jesus name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. I'm going to go ahead and start off with our testimony. I was raised in a Christian home by parents who truly loved our Lord and Savior and were great examples of what it meant to love and to follow Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 4 and he has been so faithful throughout my life in the little things and the big things. Fast forward to high school, we met, um, we only hung out in groups of mutual friends, and then my senior year, um, I had just broke up with a short-term boyfriend, and I asked my mom if I could ask just a friend to go to formal with me, um, because I no longer had a date, and she said no. God put it on my heart that Josh Shirley is going to ask you to formal. And I looked at her, and I'm like, you're crazy. Um, We've never hung out. He doesn't have my number. Like, it's not going to happen. So, no, you know. And she said, give it a week. And so, wouldn't you know, a couple days later, I was up in my room doing homework. She came in with the phone and was like, it's Josh Shirley on the phone. And I looked at her, like, shocked. I'm like, who is it really? And she said, really, it's Josh Shirley, with, like, this huge smile on her face. And wouldn't you know, he asked me to formal. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so we got to know each other for a couple of months, and then February of '02, he asked me to be his girlfriend, and I said yes. <laughs> so it's been 20 years that we have been together. Um, I fell, yeah. I fell hard and fast for this man. Well, look at him. And um, I knew that he loved Jesus, it, it, was, it was awesome. But then I did the unthinkable, in a couple of months I decided I was gonna follow him to college. Instead of going to Cal Poly, San Luis, um, I went to the beautiful and highly desirable Fresno State. Oh yeah, <laughs> good old Fresno. Um, it worked out though, we dated. During college, God was in the middle of our relationship. We were involved in church and ministry. Sexual purity was important to us. Um, and on June 17, 2005, we tied the knot. He had a couple more years of school and football. I had shoved all of my school into three years, so I just started working. And... Um, Married life wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, you know? Um, But we had known each other for a while, so there wasn't any big surprises. We were both virgins when we got married, so there wasn't a lot of stuff to work through there. So married life was good. A couple years after he graduated, we moved back to Bakersfield. He became a leader in our college group. Um, We both got involved there. We started having kids. Josh found a career that he loved. And I was able to cut back on some of my hours at work and was able to spend more time with the kids. So from the outside, we were living this Christian American dream. We had a few big bumps in the road, um, probably 8 to 14 years, you know, those years of our marriage. Uh, We had some family stuff, I had some health issues, we lost a, a baby boy. Um, I don't have time to share all of that in our testimony today, but life was hard, you know, Um, but I, if you were to say and ask me, our relationship was good, you know, we both loved Jesus, and we loved each other, so everything, everything was fine.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that this is the the title of the the series over the summer, Happy on the Outside, but uh, Miserable on the Inside? hurting on the inside. I had no idea that that was the title of the series uh, for the summer, but man, it is exactly what our testimony is about to be. Um, So Haley just shared that, you know, there were some bumps and along the road, but uh, for the most part, she was pretty much unaware of what was going on seriously with inside of my heart. And so I'm going to give you guys a little bit of context to give you, get you up to speed with where my story was. And, and so forth. And so, to give you a little of that context, I was born and raised in a Christian household. My parents loved one another. They loved me, and they loved my two sisters. Church was a high priority to them, so we went often. We went to church on Sundays and then Wednesdays. We were a part of awanas, went to church group, uh, church camps. I remember memorizing scripture as a young child. Um, and so all of that to say, To give you guys the context, that I had a a good understanding and knowledge about God. But just knowing about God intellectually, there's still a disconnect between knowing Him intimately. So that's the process of what God was going to have to work on to get from my head to my heart. So from the world's perspective, I looked the part on the outside. Many would look at me and would say that I would be a Christian leader. I was outspoken in my faith. I was leading groups. And so on and so forth. However, just like the, the theme, happy on the outside, but sad? Hurting. Hurting. Sorry. <laughs> Hurting. Hurting on the inside. That was me. So um, I had this hidden secret sin that was locked up in the corner of my heart, and I didn't want anybody to know. I mean, it had a vault on it, and I put chains on that thing, and I was wanting to make sure it stayed there until I went to the grave. So let me tell you about the secret sin and how it got into my life. As Haley said, we, had, we went to the beautiful city of Fresno. I don't know if you guys have been there. Not much to be bragging about, but... Yeah, Fresno, <laughs> yes, exactly. So I went to Fresno, and for the first time, I had my own apartment. I had my own bedroom. I had my own computer. I had access to the World Wide Web, and there was no, there was no blocks. There was no accountability, and in that... I ended up watching pornography, and from the moment that I started, it had hooks, deep, deep hooks within me. I felt guilty, I felt convicted every time, but the guilt and conviction was not enough to stop. I really wanted porn to be out of my life, but I felt powerless. I kept looking for a large enough external event that would help me break this addiction. So I thought for sure in 2005, when Haley and I got married, that that was gonna be enough. And for a few months it was, but slowly it started to come back. Then I thought for sure when I had children, that that was gonna be enough because there's no way that I would raise my children, my son, to talk to him about sexual purity but yet still have that persist in my life. And yet after each birth, I have three children. After each birth, after a couple months, it came back. Then I decided, you know what, I'm just going to get more involved with church. I'm going to start leading a college group ministry at my church, and I think that that's going to help me. Because there's no way that I could teach them on Sunday about sexual purity and not to be watching these things and not to be doing those things with their girlfriends and boyfriends and still have that in my life. And maybe for a few months that helped, but it wasn't strong enough. Finally, I became a deacon. Like I said, happy on the outside, right? Hurting on the inside. (laughs) Um, I became a deacon. And this was really a pivotal moment because I remember struggling with having to write or sign on this covenant. This covenant that our church gave us said that we would not be partaking in pornography. And men and women here, I struggled with that, and I was praying, Lord, help this signature. Help this be what I need to get me over that hump where I'm going to get pornography out of my life. And so I signed it with the greatest intentions, and it lasted a couple months, and slowly pornography started to come back in. Unfortunately, these massive events in my life were not strong enough to break my addiction. What I actually needed was an internal change of my heart, I needed a heart transplant. However, my pride is what kept me powerless. This is how prideful, listen to this. This is how prideful my prayers became. I desperately wanted the porn out of my life, and so I would just, be, Lord, please do whatever it takes to, get, to break this addiction in my life, except bring it public. I didn't want my wife to know. I didn't want my family to know. I didn't want my friends to know. I didn't want the church to know. This external image, I was more concerned with trying to keep my Christian image that I had built than being honest with my family, friends, and church that were going to help me through this struggle. Because I wanted to keep the sin in the dark, I had no fellowship with Christ nor was I able to experience His power. If you guys look, there's a, there's a verse here on First John one six. It says this: If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It's hard for me to even admit it, but because I was walking continually in this darkness, I was a liar and the truth was not in me. However, we serve a God who never gives up, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. That's right. The Lord was not going to give up on me. He was pursuing my heart, and he had to get through my addiction and through my pride. So here's the process to get through the the addiction to porn, and then I'm going to tell you how he broke my pride. So March of 2018... um, I have a friend who invited me randomly, hadn't seen him in 12 plus years, but the Lord knew exactly what we needed when we needed it. So I encountered this friend and he says, hey, you know what? We just had a cancellation for romance weekend. Next weekend, I want you and your wife fully paid. You and your wife are gonna come with us to a romance weekend. I'm like, romance weekend? That sounds pretty cool. I don't know anything about it, but that sounds pretty cool And there's romance in the name, right? So I said, "What is it?" And he's like, "Well, let's just say it's a weekend where couples are centered around Jesus Christ. It's the best investment you will make in your marriage when you center your marriage around Christ." I'm like, "Okay, right on. Weekend away from kids? Romance. Weekend at the bit at the beach? Romance. Bathing suits and sun? Romance. Did I say romance? So it got me there, right? It got Haley and I to go to this weekend, and we had no expectation whatsoever of what we were going to walk into. So we show up to this beach house, and there's five random couples that are here. We don't know what to expect, so we're just, you know, going with the flow. Next thing we know, all five couples are sharing their testimony. I'm like, man, this is, this is getting real. So I'm seeing couple one by one gutting themselves, sharing deep hurt, pains, sins, hidden sins that were in their marriage. And I'm just sitting back going, wow, this is unreal, right? Well, this is the power of a testimony. One man's boldness and courage to share his truth, the truth of his story, broke the chains of my addiction. Amen. The power of a testimony. So this man boldly in front of us shared about his recent affair. And you know how it started? It started with pornography. This man, you see, was the same age as me. His wife was the same age as Haley. They have three young kids. And at that time, his world was falling apart. It came to light, and he was struggling. There was so much pain and so much hurt. And he was on the verge of losing it all. And in that testimony, the eyes of my heart were open to the devastation of pornography. I said, it isn't worth it. There isn't, it is not worth it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And so the Lord opened the eyes of my heart and praised God that he did because he used a man's testimony that was bold and courageous to share it in front of five random strangers. So I had the proper fear for the first time in 16 years that God gave me the the righteous fear of what the consequence will be in my life if I was going to allow pornography to persist. So March of 2018, God helped me to break that chain. And from that day to this very moment, that same fear of the consequences of allowing pornography back in my life are still real as they were that day. And I pray that it will always be that way. So even though my addiction to pornography was broke, God still needed to break through my pride. See, all this time, my wife didn't know. All this time, my wife didn't know. And I I was kind of fine to keep it that way, to be honest with you guys. I was. I was just like, hey, it's okay. As long as this is out of my life anymore, like it doesn't really need to be brought up. I don't want to hurt her and break her. But the Lord was not going to allow that to persist. So Soli Business of 2019, you guys are probably looking at me going like, what is the world's solely Business? It was a weekend men's retreat. And once again, another friend came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, in a couple weeks, I'm paying for you to go to this solely Business. It's a men's retreat, and we're going to just, it's, it's all about hearing from the Holy Spirit. I'm like, sure, free weekend. All right, food, all that. I'm hungry and thirsty for a deeper, intimate relationship with the Lord. I'll do it. So I went, and once again, had no expectation of what it was going to be, but you want to know what? Once again, the power of a testimony. That weekend, every man at the camp shared a testimony, and as I'm listening to one man after another be bold and courageous to share of the things that were hidden in their life, the things that were hurting on the inside. I thought when it got to me, how could I possibly be so prideful that I'm not going to share mine? So it got to me, and for the first time in my life, publicly I shared my addiction to pornography for 16 years. This was June of 2019, so it had been about a year and a half, and I shared that with them. And the men all afterwards, they, they looked at me and they said, have you told your wife? And I'm like, yes, I lied, I lied to him, I went down that hill feeling, like I have to tell my wife, I have to tell my wife, I have to tell my wife, so I get home, and who comes running out to see me, my three children, arms open wide, smiles on their face, so excited to have dad home, and I'm like, "Ah, I can't tell her now, I got to kick that can until I tuck him into bed, so I tuck the kids into bed, fully intending to tell Haley when, I, when we get back to the room. I open up the bedroom door and same thing. Smile from ear to ear. She was excited to hear all about the weekend because she's been praying for me. And I'm like, I can't possibly break her heart now. There's no way. I'll do it tomorrow. So I kick the can. I don't know if any of you guys have kicked the can before, but one day turns to one week, turns to a month. And I just slowly just started, that pride started to get harder and harder. (laughs) Unfortunately, my pride was still too strong to come clean to my wife. The Lord knew that the only way he was going to break through my prideful heart was by getting me to experience, listen to this, the only way That the Lord was going to get me to break this prideful heart was for me to experience the most powerful force in this universe. You want to know what that is? His love. His grace. That's stronger than anything. And that's what I was missing. And so he knew what I needed once again. And I had another friend tap me on the shoulder and said, hey, you're going to come with me to the journey. Once again, you guys are looking at me going, what's the journey? The journey is a nine-month discipleship process. The very first week that we showed up there, they asked a question. I didn't know how important it was going to be then, but I do now. They said, why do you sense that God has you here? And instantly, because the Lord had been working on my heart, I said, I want to change the have to to the want to. I'm tired of this happiness on the outside and hurting on the inside. I want my relationship with the Lord was religion. It was duty. It was obligation. And I said, I want to change the have to to the want to. And you want to know what? The Lord answered that. That's a yes and amen. One month later, if you guys want to look behind me, page 21 of the Journey Manual, this cheesy little illustration on the bedrock of grace right there, that page right there changed my life. You guys are looking at that saying, what? It's black and white. Like... What is that all about? Well, as I was studying that week, going into that lesson, I, I looked at everything that your life is built upon, and then I got all the way down to bedrock of grace, and I'm like, no, that's not the way that my life is. There's no way that my life is, everything that my life is built upon was its grace. No way. Because I had, I had thought that you can, grace was just a license to sin, So I don't know exactly what my bedrock was going to be. I knew that it certainly was important for salvation, but I didn't know that that was what my entire life was built upon, and so I struggled with that. And then I remember going into that Friday morning, that group, round table, about 40 men, and I was like, I just want to state why I don't think that it's bedrock of grace, but before I could even say anything, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And in a moment, I can't even really articulate everything what happened, but I I sat in this group. I don't remember what the leader was saying, but the Holy Spirit was convicting me and showing me, leading me and guiding me into all truth. And it was the bedrock of grace that my life was to be built upon. And when I surrendered to that truth, men and women, I sat back in my chair and I felt this tidal wave of his love suddenly cascade over me. A thousand pounds, what I felt lifted off of my shoulders. And I took what I felt was like the very first breath. It was his grace that was missing. It was the foundation of my life, and that's what I needed. My perspective immediately shifted. You guys, I can't even really describe it other than I will say this. I felt that the majority of my life, I was trying to prove my love for God. That's a good endeavor, is it not? Proving our love for for God, is that not a good endeavor? Absolutely. And the enemy was like, yeah. Yeah go ahead. That, that's the chief priority of you. Just prove your love for God. He just kept having me go that. You want to know what that did? How, what that resulted in? Exhaustion. Tired. I'm trying to prove this. I'm trying to do this. And I felt like it was all on my shoulders. And the moment that I surrendered to his grace and his love for me, you want to know what happened? It was a st- switch of paradigm or a switch of perspective, all of a sudden, it was his love for me. It was receiving his great love for me, his great forgiveness for me, his grace for me. And then my love became a response to that receiving, being just overwhelmed by his love for me. That's what it did. 1 John 4.19 says right behind us, we love God because what? He first loved us. We love God because he first loved us. That's the proper pursuit. If I'm trying to love him out of my own strength, I am going to get tired. But if every day I'm trying to be filled by his love for me, then my love becomes a response. Out of just the wellspring of my heart because of what he has done for me. However, there was still unconfessed sin that Haley did not know about. And God wasn't going to continue to allow me to come closer to him until I confessed it. There was going to be a block in our intimacy. I was experiencing the Lord like you would not believe. I mean, for the first time when I experienced his grace, he was compelling me. I was doing things I had never done. I was in, I couldn't get enough of his word. I couldn't spend enough time with him. He was changing me from the inside out. He he created that want in me. So, there was an intimacy that was going to lack if, there, if I did not confess it to my wife. And so October 30th, 2019, at 3.41 a.m., I got the wake-up call. I remember laying there being woke and being woken wide awake, and I felt like an elephant was standing on my chest. And I said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. For the first time, I was starting to hear his voice all of a sudden. Word, the, the scripture was coming alive in me. And so I said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You want to know what I heard in my heart? Not audibly, but it could have been. It's time. I was like, no, 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 Lord, I can't. I can't. And this is the wrestling match. Every one of us, when we make a decision to follow after Christ, I promise you, it will come. There will be a time where your flesh is going to wrestle. And I was a wrestler growing up. I didn't share that with you guys, but I was a wrestler growing up, so I could wrestle pretty good. And I was wrestling with the Lord, but praise God, he's a better wrestler than me. He was not going to let go of my chest until I confessed it with my wife. This was the moment where God was calling me to die to myself. Was my external image more important than an intimate relationship with him? That's what I was wrestling with. If you guys flip, or if you look at Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, it says this. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him what? Deny himself. himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? If I wanted to find my life in him, then he was going to require that I lose it. What I had, what had to die was this external image of a life that the world had of me. So after what I felt like was 15 minutes of wrestling with the Lord, I finally woke Haley up and confessed my secret sin of pornography for 16 years. I still, I still remember her turning over and her eyes just opening up wide. She knew something serious was on my heart. Why would I be waking her up at 3 something a.m.? And I said, I have something to tell you. And I confessed. In that, she was confused. Her spirit was crushed. She was broken hearted. Pain, tears started flowing. Every emotion, every emotion that you can think of when you find out that you have been deceived by someone who you thought you knew. But in all of that pain, in all of that hurt, she had found it in her heart. The Lord had been doing something in her heart to prepare her, and she gave me forgiveness. She gave me not only just forgiveness, but she gave me grace. I was able to experience more of God's grace through my wife. Through Christ dwelling in her heart, the forgiveness and grace I received gave me new life. I found new life. At the moment of losing my old life, I found my new life in Christ. I had felt and experienced true freedom from the bondage and the weight of the hidden sin. Now, my new life in Christ had just
1: begun. Um, On October 30th, I, I was rocked. My husband that I had been married to for the last 14 years, I knew that he was a different man. I could tell that he had been a different man for the past few months. He was seeking after the Lord like never before. But I, I had no clue that he had been struggling with this. Um, but I, I could tell that, that morning that he was genuinely repenting. I knew that he was sincere, and I forgave him. The lie of the past 16 years, it, it crushed me, though. I was raised in a home where honesty was one of the most important things in any relationship, and it was big in my book. He knew this, and he knew by withholding the truth from me that he had been lying to me for all of those years. He understood that my trust had been broken. He wanted all the devices in the whole house to be locked, have passwords, covenant eyes on them. And he told me that he would answer any questions, that he was an open book, that he was going to be open and honest with me from now on. He held me when I was insecure. He let me cry when the emotions got to me from what he had seen, um, but also the lies that he had been telling me. During this time, he, o- he encouraged me to be open and honest with him and what was going on in my head and not just shove it down. I knew that I had forgiven him, that I couldn't be bitter about what had happened, and I couldn't pick up that baggage. But I also knew that if we wanted to have an open and honest and intimate relationship, that I needed to be open and honest too. I needed to tell him when something would, would trigger my insecurities. Uh, he would always hold me. He would always tell me that he loved me, that he was always, had always been attracted to me, would always be attracted to me. But. I, I knew that he my body wasn't perfect when he married me at 21, but after having three kids and you add on the years and everything, I knew that I was far from perfect, and he had seen images from the world standards that were good and that I didn't measure, measure up. So when those thoughts got to me, I had to let him know. Or if not, the enemy would have just used it to eat me up inside. He Um, I had to choose some of those times when I would talk to him to believe him because what I felt was different than what he was saying. Like I knew that he was being open and honest with me when he told me that I was beautiful and that he was attracted to me. But I didn't, I didn't feel that, you know, I didn't feel at those times that he was telling me the truth. So I had to choose to believe him. Even more important than being open and honest with, with Joshua, I knew that I needed to be open and honest with my Heavenly Father and to dig into His Word. I, I found James 1, 2 through 6. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Counting it all joy in this trial, it was hard, but I knew that I needed his patience, and even more, I longed, I had this deep desire for his wisdom. I wanted it desperately, and in this verse, it says that if we ask, it will be given to us. So all I had to do was ask him. I got in his word and verse after verse about his wisdom kept jumping out at me. And still to this day, verse after verse about his wisdom keeps jumping out at me. And every time the truth is, is that if we seek, if we knock, if we ask, he will give it to us. And so all we need to do is ask him and keep seeking him and get into his word. Also, God was speaking over and over to me, Psalm 23. When I was a little girl, this was the first chapter I ever memorized in the Bible, and he kept reminding me that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God was the only one that was gonna restore my soul, not Josh, not my family, not my friends. Only God could put all the broken pieces back together again and restore me. I heard a song a couple days after Josh told me that um, it was by Lauren Daigle, and it was titled, You Say. God spoke to me through it. And if I could sing like Lauren Daigle, then I would, uh, I would sing for you guys, but I can't. So Don't you're let her get... fool you. She's got
0: an amazing voice.
1: <laughs> you're going to get the red version. Um, but You Say by Lauren Daigle. I keep fighting voices in my head that say that I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me that I will never measure up. And I'm more than just the sum of every high and every low. Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say that I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say that I am strong when I think that I am weak. You say that I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say that I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe what you say of me. I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything that you think of me. And in you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. Only God... Um, can make it so that I, I know deep down that w- what he says about me is true, my identity. It's only through his strength. God used this song to remind me of all the verses in his word that state his truths about who I am as his daughter. I was saved when I was really little. And in high school, I knew. I knew who I was in Christ. I knew who my identity was. In. But through the years, somehow my, my heart, my heart just kind of forgot. I knew all of this in my head. I knew his truths. I I I knew them. But deep down they weren't affecting the the way that I thought about myself, that they weren't affecting how I viewed myself. The truth is not what I feel about myself, what the world says. The truth is what he says about me. And so Psalm 139.14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. God says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that I'm marvelous. So it doesn't matter how I feel or what the world says about me. His word is truth. And I need to be grounded on his word, not, not not what I feel. I also realized through this song that I had put too much of my identity in the fact that I was his wife and that I was a mom. First and foremost, I am the daughter of a one true king, and I need to fully believe that because it changes everything. It changes the way I view myself, the way I view Josh, the way I treat my kids, the way I treat my family and my friends. It changes everything. Josh was compelled after October 30th to confess to others the lie that he had been stuck in for so many years, and how God had changed his identity from who he was to now who he is in Christ, and I was all in. God was, was shouting for the rooftops, how he'd been saved by grace, and, and how God was changing him. And it changed me, and it changed our kids. It changed us from the inside out. Through Josh having a heart transplant, it drew all of us closer to God because he was now being led by the Holy Spirit. He was now a true leader, a husband, and a father, and it it changed it all. I read the verse, uh, Psalm one thirty nine fourteen earlier, just a little bit ago, and it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Changing my thought process, that's still a work in progress, but I just realized that I totally forgot the last part of the verse, and that's what God has been working on my heart in the last couple years. The verse actually is, I will praise you for I am... Fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. God is working on transforming my mind so that my soul knows it and knows his truths very, very well. I went to a women's retreat a couple months back, and I had everyone spend some time alone with God. So I went out into the woods, and I sat on this big old tree, and it was dead. It had fallen over, and... God brought to my memory Psalm uh, 1-3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither. Here I am sitting on this huge trunk, and it is dry, and it is dead. It is all withered. And he reminded me that this would be me if I didn't get watered by his living water that daily, hourly, that I needed to be watered, that there no no other source. It's not my husband, it's not the world, it's not my kids, that he needs to water me. And that's the only way that I can produce fruit. Galatians 5.22, when it talks about fruits of the spirit, it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I want all of those fruits in my life. I have tried to produce those own fruit, those fruits in my own life. I've tried to do it. But he reminded me that he's the producer, that he has to water me, and then the Holy Spirit can produce those in me, that my true identity is in him, that I need to be grounded in his word and in his truth and watered by his living water. I was sitting there, and I was just praising him, for that illustration, for so many other things, for everything. It had been probably about two years. And so everything that had happened in our relationship, and, and I just started bawling because I realized for the first time that I would do it all over again, that I would go through, that I would feel all those feelings, that I would go through everything all over again for what God had done through it. And never in a million years did I ever think that I would feel that way. I, 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 was, I knew that, that God would do something good through it, but I didn't think that I would be thankful, that, that the end result would actually be better than what it was. And so Romans 8, 28 came to life for the first time in a a whole new way in the verses. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. I didn't just know that verse now, like I knew that verse now deep in my soul that he truly does work all things together for good for those who love him. One thing that's so beautiful about a testimony is it doesn't end. I'm confident that because of these, that because of all the verses in his word and how faithful he is, that as long as I stay connected to him, he will continue his story in my life, in our marriage, in our family, and all around us. That his grace and love towards me will change me, continue to change me, and it'll cause a ripple effect. My prayer is that he can use me, a very, very imperfect person, to show and extend his grace and love to others and demonstrate how his grace and love is the greatest, greatest treasure that I will ever possess.
0: So now what? That's the question that we're all faced with, right? From now on, for me, as I answer that question, from now on, I want to be living compelled by grace rather than living convicted by fear. You guys might be asking, what does that mean, Josh? This means that my daily goal is to experience the love of Christ more and more every day. Remember that First John passage that we love God because he first loved us? That's my goal. I want to grow in that. Why is that my goal? Why would that be maybe our goal? Why would that be our goal, to grow in the love of Christ? Well, because I cannot, we cannot give away what we do not have. If I'm not being daily rooted and grounded in Christ's love for me, then the best I can give away is my attempt to love others. And just ask Haley, ask her how well that was, how well that worked out for me. This is one of my life verses, That helps me to remember the truth that I must grow in the knowledge of Christ's love for me. Ephesians 3, verses 17 through 20, one of my favorite verses. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, the depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. That's one of the verses that I hold on to, and you want to know what? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He prayed that the church in Ephesus would grow to know and experience the love of Christ which will then enable them to change their culture around them. And leading up to this this time with you guys, that has been our prayer. Our prayer is that this church would grow, be rooted and grounded in his love to know the height, the depth, the width, and the length of Christ's love for you. Because in that, you will start to change the culture around you. This is the same prayer that we've been praying for the church in Campbell. In just a moment, we are going to ask everyone here and listening online to respond to the message of God's love and grace. The Bible says in the book of James that we are not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so if we just come here and listen to a message that that, hurt, uh, that that touches our heart, but then we leave and do not respond, we become just a hearer. So we're going to have an opportunity to be a doer of the word as we close out the service. There's going to be three opportunities that I'm going to give you guys to respond to whatever the Holy Spirit is doing. Whether you are here in person or online, you have a chance to respond to God's love and to his grace. So I'm going to ask that everyone in this room would bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask those who have never received and experienced the overwhelming love and grace of Jesus Christ to raise their hands. Raise your hands if you have never experienced the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. If you are online, please raise your hand. You have the opportunity in the chat box. We have someone that's online that can pray with you. And those that are here, as you raise your hand, thank you. We will meet with you afterwards, and we will take you through Scripture how to receive that love and grace of Jesus Christ for salvation and eternal life. So I'm going to pray as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm going to pray over those that are making decisions. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are changing lives right now. Lord, those that are watching online and those that are here that have their hands raised, Lord, we pray right now that you would show them, Lord, bless them with your love and your grace. Help them to experience that. Lord, and I pray that as they come and speak with us afterwards, Lord, that we can walk them through what it is to find new life in you. With everyone's head bowed still and eyes closed the next decision that we're gonna I'm gonna ask you guys to make is for those that have experienced the love and the grace of Jesus but have been struggling to walk in the new life and the power that is found through the Holy Spirit raise your hands this is a chance for you to rededicate your life raise your hands thank you yes thank you if you're online Go ahead and, and put in the chat box that you want to redid, rededicate your life and get right with the Lord. You want to experience this love and grace. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for these decisions. Lord, these men and these women, Lord, that are wanting to get right with you, Lord. They they have recognized, Lord, that they've been doing it on their own. Father, they might be in here with a happy face on the outside, but Lord, inwardly, they are hurting. Father, you are the reconciler. Lord, you mend all broken hearts. Father, I pray right now that you would draw them to your side and help them, Lord, to walk in the newness of life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, this is the last decision. If the Lord is putting it on your heart, I'm going to ask those to raise their hand that feel led to take their next step in their spiritual journey some of you here may not be baptized and maybe you're saying you know what it's time to go public it's time to be bold with my faith i want others to come alongside of me and know and as i'm declaring who i am in christ maybe it's baptism maybe it's your decision that you want to lead a bible study maybe you feel like the lord is calling you to get involved with the church or maybe you're just looking to get involved and help this local body. Whatever your decision is, I ask that you would raise your hand right now if you are wanting to get involved. Yes, thank you. Online, please, in in the chat box, put in there that you want to get involved and we will reach out to you. Thank you. You guys can put your hands down. We'll go ahead and close this thing in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your love and your truth. I thank you for your grace, Lord, that is the foundation, Lord, the bedrock of our entire life. Not only is it where we find salvation, Lord, but it's where we get sanctified, Lord. Your grace continues to compel us to do what we cannot do on our own strength. And Lord, ultimately, your grace is going to take us into glorification. When we are raised with you, Lord, you are going to uh, use that grace, Lord, and we're going to experience that again. Your grace, Lord, is all that we need. Father, I pray that you would help. If there's anyone here, Lord, that has not made this decision, Lord, they're still wrestling like I did with you, I pray, Lord, that you would break through. Lord, continue to do that work in their heart and that they would seek out one of us, Lord, some leaders here at the church for any guidance and help in their assistance, Lord, with breaking any addiction that they might have that they would seek you with all of their heart. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Thank you.